independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Think about these two points real quick. Number one, Topsoil is the most nutrient-dense layer of soil that's needed to grow nutritious fruits and vegetables in. But soil degradation around the world from agriculture practices like monocropping that treats lands like a machine rather than a full, whole ecosystem, from deforestation and from climate change, these things have led to findings that we only have 60 years of topsoil left definitely not sustainable. We are running out. And point number two, food scraps can actually be composted to help regenerate healthy, nutrient-dense soils. But most of our food waste isn't being composted. In the United States, the EPA estimated in 2015 that only 5.3% of food waste was composted. So on the one hand, we're losing healthy soils necessary to grow healthy foods in. But on the other hand, we're passing up on opportunities to help regenerate healthy soils with our food waste. And instead, they're just ending up in landfills where they release methane, which is a greenhouse gas that's 21 times more potent than carbon dioxide. That picture doesn't look quite right to me, but the good thing is just that by connecting these two things, by us getting into composting ourselves and encouraging our communities to do so as well, we can easily close this loop so that we're constantly regenerating healthy soils with our food waste for a healthier future. This is a mini Bloom Tuesday episode on Green Dreamer podcast, and today we have the composting expert behind Litterless.com share her expertise with us. Her blog is super resourceful in all things to do with reducing waste, so make sure to check it out afterwards to learn more from her. It's going to be linked in the show notes at greendreamer.com slash 72. But for now, starting with what got her into composting in the first place, here's Celia Risto. Growing up, my family started composting probably when I was about 12 or so. We had a really simple setup, a composter in the backyard and a kitchen top container. And my brothers and I were in charge of emptying it every so often. So it was really easy and really natural. And then when I went to college, my college didn't have composting. We actually got it my senior year. So for those first three years, I had to throw food in the garbage, you know, food from the dorm, snacks, everything went in the garbage. And after composting for so long, that didn't feel good. I remember I would often feel a pit in my stomach when I would drop an apple core or a banana peel in the garbage. And I just didn't really have an alternative. So when I graduated college, I knew I wanted to start composting again. And I moved to Chicago 
And I lived in a small apartment with no backyard, just a little balcony space. But I thought there must be someone, a business who would pick up my compost for me. And so within my first month of living there, I did a quick Google search and found a pickup service um, that I used for the next four years. And then now I live in Madison and we, we compost a different way. But I think it's sort of one of those things that once I started, it's easy and it's natural and it's, it's not something I'm willing to let go. So, I mean, you knew this ever since you were little. This was a part of your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels really natural to separate garbage. It's hard to imagine imagine it any other way. For sure. So for other people you come across and you talk about composting, what usually holds people back from trying to compost for the first time or just getting them into this idea in general? That's a great question. So... I think there are a ton of misconceptions about composting. One of the biggest and most important is why we should compost. I think because people are aware that food does decompose. You know, we've all seen a tomato or something go bad in our kitchen counter. People think that's what happens in landfills too, and that is just not true. Landfills are anaerobic, so they don't really have the oxygen that things need to decompose naturally. So I think people think that if you throw food in the landfill, it might take a little longer to decompose, but it'll eventually be fine. And that's just not true. So that's why composting is important because with composting within a couple months, that food breaks down and it becomes soil immediately. And it's just a, just a much healthier cycle. Mm. So when people kind of learn, learn why composting is important, I think there's still the hurdle of not knowing who it's for. Do you have to have a backyard? Do you have to live on a farm? Um, Do you have to be a scientist? I think we kind of build up composting in our mind to be really complicated when actually there are lots of options for city folks and apartment dwellers and people who don't own their properties and people who don't have a lot of extra time. Do you think part of the roadblock is most people not seeing the connection of how rotting food becomes healthy soil that can uh, offer nutrients to like the food that we then eat again. So it's kind of this disconnect. We don't really see because rotting food sounds disgusting. And most people don't want that in their homes. Totally. And if you think about our food system as a whole, we're so disconnected from every part of it. So, you know, we often spend too little time thinking about where the food comes from. So of course, we spend too little time thinking about where it goes You touched on this earlier about how, uh, you know, when we just throw food in our regular trash bags and they go into the landfills, they don't actually decompose. So what happens to it? Yeah. So like I said before, landfills are anaerobic. So food decomposes naturally in the presence of oxygen and all these healthy microbes that form our natural world and are in our soil. But in landfills, there's not the oxygen that food needs. So a couple things happen food takes much, much longer to decompose. Um, you know, if it does at all, it things in landfill, when they decompose, they release a lot of methane, which is a greenhouse gas that's 23 times more potent than carbon dioxide. So, you know, even if they do decompose, they're doing so in a harmful way. And I think there's sort of this misconception that recycling takes care of all our waste problems, that if composting were truly necessary, you know, the government would mandate it or there would be municipal systems. And in many places, that's just not true. So I think it's a it's a new idea for people to think about having to create their own waste stream and their own way to deal with it. Definitely. So on the flip side, how can composting support sustainability initiatives? Composting is great, both on a small scale and a large scale. If you compost yourself at home, then you'll get the soil and you can 
put it in your garden. You can watch to see if your vegetables grow bigger and they may not, but they, you know, you may have a bumper crop the next year. So it's sort of an exciting way to teach yourself or teach your kids about this more circular process that not everything in our lives has to be so linear where we buy something, we use it, we dispose of it. It's in the landfill forever. It's just this amazing circular process where we buy food, we eat it, the scraps can grow more food. It's super cool. But even if you're not composting yourself, you're having someone else do it like a city or, or a service. Um, it's still supporting, supporting sustainable systems in that city. For example, city services or private businesses won't offer compost collection unless it's something that residents demand. And so by creating that demand, you're helping your city add, add services for everyone else who may not know that they want composting, but may be happy to do it if it's provided. For sure. So can you walk us through the process of actually starting a compost bin in an apartment? Because I think something that holds a lot of people back from composting is also maybe they don't have a garden, they don't have their own yard, so they feel like it might be icky to do this in an indoor space. Yes, absolutely. So there are four options for compo- for composting in an apartment. Um, like you said, it, it's more self-explanatory in the backyard, and that's traditionally how we think about composting. But I have composted in an apartment without even a balcony. Um, so there are four kind of big buckets and there are pros and cons to each. The first one and probably the easiest method is to use a pickup service. And these are uh, small private businesses who will collect your food scraps every week or every two weeks or every month um, and replace replace the bucket with a clean one each time. And so they take care of everything for you. And if you have 20 spare bucks a month, that can be a really easy way to do it. And I love the ease and convenience of it. It's sort of set it and forget it. Um, a more budget conscious option is to find a drop-off point. So maybe there's a local community garden that will accept your compost, or maybe a friend of yours has a backyard composter and you can take your stuff over once a week, or even some farmer's markets or some cities have designated drop-off points. So finding one of those near you, it can be a couple dollars, maybe if you're dropping compost off at the farmer's market, or it might be totally free. And then if you're interested in sort of getting into a science option in a, in a small space, you could set up a vermicomposting bin. That's using worms to accelerate the compost process. So if you wanted to do that, you might buy or, or find a, a plastic bin and drill some holes in it. And then you can order worms online. Um, <laughs> it's a species called red wiggler. And <laughs> does it have to be that type? Um, I think it does. So I haven't vermicomposted. A lot of what I know about it is from research, but also my brother is doing it in New York City right now. So definitely a possibility for city dwellers. What I would say about vermicomposting, it's definitely if you want sort of like a pet or a science experiment, (laughs) it's not so set it and forget it. But I think it can be fun and it can be a good way to engage with your waste. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the way worms eat food scraps. So um, my brother keeps his in the freezer And then once a week, he'll take all the scraps out and he chops them really finely and then feeds them to the worms. So he's got quite a little setup (laughs) under his kitchen sink. (laughs) And then the fourth one is also a little bit sciencey and it's called Bokashi composting. So Bokashi composting takes the backyard process of composting and sort of accelerates it so that it goes a little faster in an apartment. So basically you buy a Bokashi setup and the main ingredient is this Bokashi powder, which is like activated 
I think, a bacterial powder that you can sprinkle over your food scraps, and it just helps them decompose quickly. So instead of a larger time scale that you're looking at with backyard composting, you're instead getting the results more quickly. Um, so a friend of mine in my apartment building does bokashi composting, and she composts indoors, and then she moves the soil out to her patio where she keeps a ton of plants. She's growing tomatoes, so definitely doable for apartment folks. For sure. What would your biggest piece of guidance be for us who are just getting started and trying this for the first time? So I would say encouragingly that there's a little bit of a hump to get over at first. You have to get your setup. You have to kind of change your routine a little bit, but that I feel confident that once people start, they won't consider going back at just like going back to my college experience where I went from composting at home to not being able to compost at college, just the feeling of throwing food away when you know it can do so much better um, is sort of addictive. So mm. if you're new to composting, I'd say make, step, make it easy on yourself. Try to find the easiest way to compost. Um, so maybe you're really excited about vermicomposting and that's great, but maybe you're not. So maybe the easiest option in your city is to get a pickup service and just throw, you know, 20 bucks a month at it or to find a drop off point. So kind of taking away the hurdles and making it as easy as possible for yourself. And then if you love it, you get into it, you want to go farther, then you can kind of set up a more challenging or a more hands-on compost setup. Yeah. I love that there are four different options that you just mentioned. Like one is completely hands-off, one is Mm -hmm. (laughs) semi-hands-off and other two options for people who do want to like maybe get more experimental with this. So I love that, you know, we really have no excuses. Um, I feel like we can find something that works for us. We just have to take that first step. We sure do. And if it's helpful for people, and if they live in the United States, I have a guide on my website that you can link to in the show notes if you'd like, but it has a list of drop-off sites and compost pickup services across the United States. So if that makes it a little bit easier for you, I'd be thrilled. Thank you. We'll definitely link to this in the show notes. And my last question for you is, Globally, we're losing topsoil at a super rapid pace. And I forget the numbers, but something like in the next 50 years, we might be losing all of our topsoil. So topsoil is like the nutrient dense layer of soil that we can grow our uh, foods in. So when we think about the fact that most foods aren't being composted and are just going to landfills where they release uh, methane, And the fact that we're losing topsoil, but then if we actually composted, we could just be regenerating our soils. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this? What would you say about this disconnect? Yeah, it goes back, I think, to understanding food as a circle rather than a line. And I think the local food movement and farmers markets have done such a such a good job in making that a movement here in the United States on the producer side. But then it's almost like once we're consumers, once we purchase something responsibly, then it's like we've abdicated our, abdicated our responsibility on the other side. So I think it's important not just to try to buy locally and try to buy package free and try to buy seasonal produce, but also to know that the way you dispose of it is a big part of it. It's kind of this mindset shift that's needed for us to see like food waste, not as waste, but as an opportunity to re-nourish our soils to then re-nourish our next uh, batches of produce. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely true. And the other thing I would say about it is, so I'm a huge fan of composting. I think it's really important. But to your point, so much food is thrown away. And a lot of that 
food is scrap food, but a lot of it is good food. So I think even if you're not quite ready to think about composting yet, or even if you are composting, another great way to tackle food waste is to be a more mindful consumer, to try to meal plan, to try to use what you buy instead of letting it languish. We've all been there where we forgot about the lettuce in our fridge or something. And, you know, we're probably, none of us are ever going to be perfect. I'm sure not, but um, trying to work on the food waste side before it hits the compost as well, I think can be really impactful. Yeah, I love that. A fifth way to get started without even needing (laughs) to do anything, just really be more mindful of the ways that we're buying and throwing our current foods out and trying to reduce waste in the first place. Yeah, don't compost, just make broth. (laughs) And then compost. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. We'll definitely have to keep learning from you. So where can we go to follow you online and on social media? So you can find me at my website, litterless.com and on Instagram at litterless and Facebook and Twitter at go litterless. So thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this Bloom Tuesday. You'll be able to find links and resources from this episode at greendreamer.com slash 72 for episode 72. Uh, feel welcome to join me on Instagram at Shane and direct message me with any feedback you have about the podcast or thoughts on how I can improve the show for you. And for now, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, Hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.